Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Boy, is this a great study. You know why? You ask me why. Because it's a simple study about kids. Don't you love kids? I absolutely love kids. We got a lot of kids here at Calvary Chapel. I don't know if you know that. But I was just talking to Pastor David this past Thursday, and he told me on average on a Sunday morning, we probably have on average about 275 kids in the children's ministry. Did you know that? That's a lot of kids. And, and that's on average. Some Sundays we get up to 320 kids per Sunday. So kids, I love kids, and Jesus loves kids. And, you know, kids, uh, one thing I like about kids, they say funny things. Kids, kids, and kids are honest. We'll talk about that in a minute. Kids are brutal. Let's say that. Now, and listen to this. This is a funny thing. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. And the teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being because even though it was very large mammal, its throat was very small. Well, this little girl, she stated that Jonah was swallowed by the whale, like the Bible says. Well, irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale cannot swallow a human being. It was physically impossible. Well, the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you can ask him. (laughs) Kids say funny things. Here's another one. This, this, the children. They lined up in the cafeteria of a Catholic elementary school for lunch. At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. The nun made a note and posted it on the tray. Take only one apple. God is watching. Moving further along the line, at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. A child had written a note. Take all you want. God is watching the apples. That's probably my favorite. (laughs) And then, you know, even this week, oh, man, even this week, I got this little note from actually from my wife and from a little girl named Madison who attends a fellowship here. And uh, she said in her note, she said and it was written like in kid letters, words spelled wrong. Is it wrongly? Wrong. Lee. And, and it said this, it said, Dear Pastor Rodney, I like your church, your songs, and your speeches mean a lot to me. I thought that was cute. Your speech, and she spelled speeches, S-P-E-H-E-S. Kids. I love kids. I know you do too. You know the Bible 
calls us as God's people, we're termed by a lot of different names. We're called God's sheep, uh, the apple of God's eye. But one of the terms that you find in the Bible that is used most often, let me say that, God calls us children. We are called children, the children of promise, the children of the day, the children of the light, beloved children. We're called dear children and, of course, children of God. Jesus loves children. If you knew that, say amen. Jesus loves children. And, and look at Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. We're going to talk about children. Look at verse 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this, I can imagine Jesus is pointing to this kid. Like this, in my name, Jesus says, receive me. But whoever causes, in verse 6, one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. You see, that's more like a lamentation. Sadness, a cry, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. See, that's more like a condemnation. You got a lamentation and a condemnation. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, then cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. That would be hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Now stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. If you've been with us in our study in Matthew, you know that last week in chapter 17, Jesus was in the area of the Galilee. Remember, it's an area, it's a region, it's a territory, not a city. So he's in the area of the Galilee, and he's been sharing with his disciples, spending a lot of time with his disciples. He told them that he was going to be betrayed. He told them that, they, that, that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was going to be killed. That was the bad news. Remember we talked about it? But then the good news was what? That he was going to rise again the third day. Now, Mark chapter 9, again, a parallel account. Put the stories together. Write that down and read it in your own time. But in Mark chapter 9, it tells us that they were arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. So understand now, apparently, while Jesus was talking about facing death and being killed, they were thinking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus is thinking about abasement, and they're thinking about advancement. And so they ask Jesus, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? 
Now, keep in mind, these are the same men, the disciples. I told you guys, I'll tell you again, when I get to heaven, I think the disciples, they're going to be waiting in line as soon as I come through the pearly gates. And so they're going to go, there's that finch. Get him. There he is. Get him. Because I talk about him every week. But here we have another scenario, another situation where these are the men who had spent time with Jesus. You got to understand. They spent time with the Lord. They spent time praying and preaching and powerfully being used in the ministry. And what is their topic? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Can you imagine? They're just standing there going, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And Jesus is talking about dying and death and crucifixion. And I love the, love the world and love you guys. And they're going, well, who's the greatest? Well, I'm the greatest. And I'm sure that Peter probably would say, well, you know, fellas, might I remind you that I am the one that walked on water. That would make me the greatest. And they would say, yeah, but you sunk. Yeah, and Peter says, yeah, but I'm the one now, don't you remember? I'm the one who came up with the great confession. Thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And fellas, don't forget, it was Jesus who said to moi, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, Peter, has revealed. Don't you guys remember Jesus said that to me? And they would say, yeah, but he also called you Satan right after that. You know, Peter, something else. And then John might say, well, well, yeah, I'm the greatest because I'm beloved. I'm the beloved. I'm closest to Jesus. And Matthew might say, well, yeah, but, but I'm greatest because I gave up a very lucrative business to follow Jesus, to be one of his disciples. And then in the Gospel of Mark, Mark tells us that, that while they were arguing, get this, Jesus walked up to them while they were arguing and said, what are you guys arguing about? And they probably said, I plead the fifth. Then finally, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, they finally told him, they finally came out with it, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Now, listen, we laugh about that because it does seem pretty ridiculous to ask Jesus who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. We laugh about that, but it, I think oftentimes we think the same thing. We might, you know, none of us would go out to lunch after church around the table with some friends at Chili's and say, you know, well, who's the greatest in the church? None of us would do that. Of course not. But listen, we might think it. People do all the time. How so, Rodney? Well, you know, how often is it that people are looking at other people in the ministry and saying, how come they're in the ministry? How come he's leading worship? Or how come they're singing on the worship team? I mean, I can sing better than that guy. I can play better than that guy. How come that guy gets an opportunity to teach or whatever? I can do it better than them. How often do we think that we would never, ever, because we are too spiritual, we would never, ever, ever, ever verbalize. That's just not Christian. We wouldn't verbalize it, but we would think it. Well, I'm, you know, I'm more gifted. I'm more talented. And in effect, saints, we are saying the same thing. We're elevating ourselves and saying, I am the greatest. 
I would be the greatest in the kingdom. So we wouldn't say it, but we might think it. They asked Jesus, hey, at least give him credit. Hey, give him some credit. At least they were honest enough to flat out ask him. I don't even know if I could have done that with Jesus personally. I mean, although he knows what we're thinking anyway, so what difference does it make? But they asked him. They said, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And I'm sure they breathlessly waited for Jesus to name the one. And you know, I notice here in the text, Jesus didn't yell at him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't lash out at him. He didn't even say, hey, dummies, I'm the greatest. Because in reality, wouldn't Jesus be the greatest in the kingdom? Amen, saints. But he didn't say that. Jesus didn't tell them that he was the greatest. He gave them, get this, a neat little object, little object lesson. He calls a little child to him, set him up in his lap. Can you can you picture this? Jesus, you know, I noticed something, too. Whenever Jesus needed an object lesson for of a child, there always seemed to be one there. Look in the Bible. They just happened to be a kid. Now, we do know they were in Capernaum. And we also believe that they were in the house of Peter. It's very possible speculation. It's very possible that this child might have been a relative of Peter. Even some Bible scholars, and I get this, would even assert that the child might have even been Peter's child. How so? Well, remember, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That would indicate that Peter was married. Possibly this was Peter's kid. Okay, fine. But when there was a child needed, Jesus seemed to have one right there. And he took this little kid in his lap. What a beautiful picture. Jesus is sitting there with his little kid on his lap, and he starts a Bible study. And he says, unless you are converted and become like this child, you won't even enter the kingdom. The word converted, taking notes, it simply means to twist. It means to turn around or to reverse, like a converter or an adapter for an electric appliance. They needed to be plugged into Jesus. Jesus is saying, unless you are plugged into me, you can't see the kingdom. Now, understand, Jesus isn't talking about reversion to childhood. Jesus is talking about conversion into the family. Don't you remember? It was Nick who came to Jesus at night. Nick at night. That's one of my favorites. And he came to Jesus and Jesus said, Nick, you must be born again. And lawyer attorney Nick, he didn't get it. He said, I can't understand that. And Jesus said, don't try to understand it. The wind comes from where it comes from and goes where it goes. And you don't know that either. Nick, you don't understand it and you can't understand it. But the thing that you do need to understand is you must be born again. This is what Jesus is saying. The same thing. You must be born into the kingdom. Jesus would say, you guys are talking about who is great in the kingdom. You're not even going to get in the kingdom unless you humble yourself like a child. Jesus is saying in God's kingdom, greatness is seen in becoming childlike or childlikeness. You know, the one thing that I think is very cool about Jesus is that kids liked him. Isn't that, you know, people talk about being like the Lord. 
and, you know, talk about being like Christ. I want to be like Christ. You know, one of the one of the things that I see is very Christ like. And you can tell is if kids like you. Are you like Jesus? Do kids like you? Because kids really like Jesus and kids weren't afraid of Jesus. You could tell a lot about a person just by because kids are very intuitive. They know. And kids like to be around Jesus. Kids, kids weren't afraid of Jesus. Christmas in the mall. They always get Santa to come to the mall. Parents, let me tell you something. Can, let me help you. Kids are afraid of Santa. I mean, come on. I've seen more pictures of kids crying in Santa's lap. It's like, I don't want to go. Santa is scary. I mean, you got this big fat man in these big black boots and this big, big, super huge belt. And kids are scared of Santa. Just like, you know, kids are scared of the Easter Bunny. And we always want our kids to take pictures with these people. And it's like kids don't want to. They're afraid of them. Don't do it. You traumatize your kid for the rest of their lives. And then you give them a picture of it. And they're like, they look look horrified in the picture. And you go, oh, there's my cute little Johnny. Weeping, crying, soaking wet, kicking Santa, trying to get away. Kids don't like him. Leave the kids alone. And, and, And Easter Bunny, same thing. Afraid of. But kids weren't afraid of Jesus. As a matter of fact, kids wanted to come near Jesus. It was the disciples who tried to keep the kids away. They always like to be with Jesus. And so Jesus says, listen, if you want to come into the kingdom, you must come like a child. Jesus isn't saying being childish. He's not saying I want you to act childish. There's a difference. Acting childish and immature. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to come into the kingdom of heaven, then you're going to have to have those childlike traits. Childlikeness. Well, what are they? Well, children, they're sincere. We, children are sincere. You know what the word sincere means? You taking notes? The word sincere means without wax. Without wax. See, in those days in the ancient world, they didn't have Olin Mills. They didn't have photography, you know, snapshots or great pics. What do you call those places? Uh, glamour shots. That's it. Glamour hots or shots or something. Yeah. They didn't have those kind of places. So if you wanted to have a picture done of your wife, you'd have to have a bust of her head carved out of marble. Well, many times when the person who was carving out the bust of your wife's face, many times if while they were carving, they might be chiseling around the nose and they chip off a piece of the nose. So what they would have to do is take wax and put it on the nose and begin to form the nose again and continue to chisel. And so you would get it and give it to your wife. Here, honey, I bought you a nice Christmas present. Or I bought you a nice present. And then she might say, oh, you know, I got the perfect spot for it. Out on the deck. Beautiful place for it. She puts it out on the deck. It's a hot summer day. And all of a sudden, you guessed it, her nose starts running into her mouth. You see? So the wax there, which will be a problem. So the wax spoke of the, 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 like the insincerity. It's not real. There's a hypocrisy there. There is something false. There's, there's no, you know, there's something, you know, secret. Well, kids are sincere. 
There's no, if you will, sneaky gluing with kids. Kids are without wax. Kids are without hypocrisy. With a kid, what you see is what you get. That's what I like about kids. Kids are honest. We all know that. Kids aren't phony. A kid will walk right up to you and say, hey, why is your nose so big? And you're like, you don't even know what to say to that. You know what I mean? Or they'll say, you know, um, why, you know why, why is your head so shiny? My kid actually said that to me one time. Because <laughs> I don't have any hair, kid. What do you think? Ask your mama. Kid. Kids are something else, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I read this, this list of wisdom from kids. Wisdom from kids. A nine-year-old boy wrote this. Never trust a dog to watch your food. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> wisdom from kids. A little girl said, never tell your mom her diet's not working. <laughs> wisdom from kids. Kids are simple. Kids are honest. Kids, kids have a very simple faith, don't they? I remember with my kids, and Rob, you've done it too. I remember putting my kids like up on the top step or something and saying, now, come on, jump, jump. Now, an adult would say, no, I'm not going to because I don't trust you. A kid would just go, wow, you know, and they jump. Why? Because they've got a very, very simple, simple faith. They just trust. Kids have a simplicity about them. They're not complex. Very simple. Kids, you know, play with simple things. You know, you can give a kid a, 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 a pencil and they just are very, very simple, not complex. Kids are very submitted. Very submitted. You know, it was Hitler who said, give me a child until he is five years old and I will give you a Nazi for life. Hitler said that. Why? Because he understood that kids are very submitted. Also, kids are very trusting. They trust and there's a dependent. You know, children just trust that, you know, there's going to be, you know, food in the refrigerator, clothes on their backs, gas in the car to take them to the park and the play and all of these things. They're just trusting. They're so trusting. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, but Crayola crayon had come out with a, a brown crayon that smelled like chocolate. And they're so trusting kids were eating the crayon and, and they had to take it off the market. Kids just, it is what it is. I mean, kids are just what they are. This is what Jesus is saying. You got to come to him. Kids aren't threatening. You, you know, you're not afraid of a five-year-old in a dark alley. Are you? No. Why? Because kids aren't threatening. Kids aren't, they aren't good at deceiving. Johnny, did you take the cookies? No. They got chocolate chips all around their mouth. You know. No. They're not good. They're not good liars. Kids, are, you know, if you, well, I mean, if you know any kids are good liars, this is, seek help. I mean, you know. Seek some help. I mean, you know, two words, <laughs> you know, because kids aren't good liars. So Jesus said, listen, if you want to get into the kingdom, this is what you have to do. You have to become like a little child, sincere and sensitive. And probably one of the greatest characteristics that Jesus points out here of a child is that of humility. Kids are humble. 
Notice the disciples, they have been converted. Yes, they did believe in Jesus when they placed their faith in him, but they had to be converted in this area of humility. This is Jesus' point. How prideful is it to be standing amongst yourselves talking about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Humility. See, kids, you know, kids don't, they, they, kids aren't trying to push themselves forward. Kids aren't seeking prominence. Kids aren't ambitious. Kids are satisfied with the little things. And so these child, childlike qualities, simple faith and honesty and trust and sensitivity and humility, Jesus says these are the qualities that will allow you to enter the kingdom of God. And if you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, hey, you can't get in the kingdom unless you humble yourself. Every single person that's ever been saved has came to the point to realize that they needed to be saved. Because Jesus is a gentleman, he's not going to force his way into your life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.